You're listening to the teaching ministry of Anchor Church. We exist to connect each person to Jesus, His Word, and His mission. We hope this message encourages you in your faith and guides you closer to Jesus. For more information, visit us at anchorchurchcsra.com. Thank you for joining us today. May this message draw you closer to God. friends, turn with me in your Bibles tonight to, you can go ahead and just turn to Genesis. How about that? We're going to be all over the place, but if you're in Genesis, then you'll be in good shape. We're kicking off our brand new series called The Simplest Way to Change the World. And if you're not excited about this sermon or this series, I'll give you a little bit of time to catch up, but now's, now's the time, okay? Because this is going to be the series that I believe is going to unlock the secret weapon, as I'll call it throughout the series, of our gospel impact. We've talked about living out the gospel a whole ton at Anchor Church. We're going through the entire book of Acts over the next uh, year together. We've been going through Acts over the past year, and we're going to continue that after this series. But really, from now until Easter, we're on a march together, all right? You know what a, a march, well, of course you know what a march is, but when an organization goes on a march together, It means they're really passionate about what they believe in and they believe that by being together in unity, by showing our solidarity with the fellowship that we have in the spirit of God within the local church, ready to make a difference for the Lord in our community, state, nation, and world. As we do that, we're gonna march towards Easter Sunday together. So from what we do right now to Easter, Yes, we'll continue marching on after that. We're, we're, we're in a strategic lead up to Easter Sunday and we'll unpack that more as we go throughout the series. So tonight's the kickoff, the simplest way to change the world. And if you want to write down, somehow Siri just turned on. Siri is um, get, getting a little too sophisticated here, um, but she's listening to the gospel tonight, all right? So that's good. If you want to write a title down tonight, if you're a note taker out there, see a lot of y'all ready to take notes. Thank you from the oldest to the youngest. Thank y'all for taking notes out there. Always helps me pay attention and remember things as well. If you want to whip out your phone, if you don't have a physical journal, I highly encourage you to whip out your notepad there. Just type some things down as we go. We'll have some uh, truth come up on the screen that you'll want to jot down. But if you want to write a title down, it's going to be called Our Secret Weapon. Like I said, what we're talking about tonight is the secret weapon unlocked for maximum impact for the gospel. And so here we go. I wanna start with just a story about a neighbor that I had named Mike. And we were in Greenwood, South Carolina at the time. My oldest son is now 10, and so he had just been born. So that was about how long ago? See if you're paying attention. 10 years ago, good job, all right? I was making sure I knew when that was. So about a decade ago, I should start a story that way. About a decade ago, I was taking out my trash. And I went to the, to the green waste management garbage can like I always do, and I slung that trash over, and I saw there's another guy there at his trash can. He's slinging his trash over, and we did what all guys do whenever you bump into each other at the trash can. You just kind of give that little, that little head, Jordan's got it, the, the little head nod. And if you're really cool, it's up. If you're super, you're like, what's up? And then if, if you're not as cool like me, uh, it's, it's, just a, it's just a nod. It's just like a like that. And we go back in. I don't know why we do that, dudes, but we do it, okay? We just give this little nod, and we don't say anything, but we just kind of understand. What's up, man? Hope you're doing well. So we did that for time and time and time again. We kind of, you know, just do that over and over and over again. One day, I came home from work a little early. I'd wrapped things at the office at the church I was serving at, a student pastor at the time. I came home, 
And out in front of his house, there are police cars everywhere. There's probably eight to 10 police cars surrounding his home. People are in and out. There, there's, a, there's a bus, you know, ambulance coming. There's fire coming. Everything's going on. And our street was real tight. So, I mean, it was hard to even get in there. I was, I, I was just worried. You know, I, I didn't know what was going on. Uh, it turns out Mike came home from work that afternoon to lay down after uh, he enjoyed some, um, some lunch at the house. And he decided to lay down on the couch and take a nap. And he had a heart attack and died rather quickly. And so the kids, he had two teenage kids. One was in middle school, one was almost in high school and, and the mom of the family. So it's mom, mom and dad, two kids. And uh, mom and the two kids are standing outside just, just sobbing, sobbing, sobbing. And so I took that opportunity to go over and just console them. And that was the point where I got to know them. And we began to walk together. The kids started coming to my student ministry and Jesus did some really uh, cool things in their life. But why do, why do I share this heartbreaking story with you tonight? Because instantly in that moment, there were lots of takeaways that, that I had from that tragic story. Number one was this. I was super convicted because I had never had a conversation with Mike. And I had so many opportunities, so many trash can encounters. I'm there, he's there. We're, we're probably from, 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 from me to you, Jonathan, just like right here. I mean, close enough to say something, right? And I said nothing. I blew it, guys. I'm not standing up here tonight as a hero, as going like, hey, I'm preaching on hospitality tonight because I'm always great at this. That's not why I'm up here. I'm here tonight to plea with you guys and myself and just all of us together that we would rally around what is so central to the word of God and to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that is the subject of biblical hospitality. Because here's what God would do after that very convicting moment. He would lead us to go plant a church in Atlanta a short time after that. We moved to Decatur, Georgia in 2017. We uh, raised money as, as missionaries and as church planters, and we had all our funding in place, and we, and, and we had our network. You know, we were uh, with the SIN Network then and with the North American Mission Board, and so we set out to Atlanta to be church planting missionaries there for a couple of years. And during that season, we thought that season was going to be much longer. It ended up only being about uh, 21 months, but here's what the Lord showed us during that season, that the secret weapon of gospel impact is hospitality. Did, uh, just to share how this worked in our life over that season, we hosted in, 20, in 2017 to 2018, like fall of 2017 to fall of 2018, we, we counted and we had over 100 neighbors to our house for dinner that year. That's how convicted we were about missing those opportunities. And we just found out that hospitality is not as complicated as we've made it. And it really is the simplest way to change the world and we led some people to Christ through those dinners and we built relationships and we connected people to Jesus and it was amazingly simple how that happened. And so if you wanna know some how-tos and some practical uh, bits about hospitality, we're covering more of, that this, uh, more of that next week. We're also baptizing several people next week. We're really excited about that. So I hope you'll be, like next week's not a week that you wanna miss. Please, please make sure you're here next week. It's gonna be incredible. But tonight what I wanna do is I want to unpack the biblical rationale for hospitality. Tonight's gonna to be a little more of a theological sermon about who God is. And before we can be who God wants us to be, we have to understand who he is. And so that's why we're doing that. That's why we're kicking off the series the way we are. But here's what he began to teach me. Ready, write this down tonight. This is one of our uh, 
sticky statements, as we call them, one of our truths that we want to stick in our minds. Ready? Let's put that on the screen there, Tyson. Our homes are not intended to be a fortress. This is what God began to show me. Our homes are not intended to be a fortress, but a what? An oasis. Now, what is an oasis? Well, an oasis is in the middle of a desert. And I don't know if you guys noticed, but the world we live in is a relational desert. We are dense in population, but we are starving for relationships. We have a loneliness epidemic in a world full of social media. We're more connected than ever before, but we're more lonely and depressed and anxious than we've ever been in human history. Why is that? That's another sermon for another time, but we have to face this fact that God would have us turn our homes into an oasis for our neighborhood, that people could find a habitat in the middle of a desert. And here's what it is. It's a gospel environment where people can encounter God. That's what we mean when we say turning your home into a habitat, an oasis. It's a, it's a gospel environment where people can meet God. So everything you do is, as it relates to what we're gonna go through and what we're talking about is going to be a picture of the gospel and is gonna be just as important as communicating the gospel as it would be to lead someone down the Romans road or to open your Bible with them and show them some verses. Like we're gonna talk about how simple, biblical, genuine hospitality can change the world. All right, so I've set up this series and we're ready to dive in. But I, I wanna contrast hospitality in the world versus con- hospitality in the Bible, because there's a difference, all right? So what do you think of, I'm gonna ask you a couple questions in the next few minutes. The first one's this, what do you think of when you think of the word hospitality? What do you, what do you think of? Is it something like this? Is it, is it something like nicely dressed people smiling, okay? This is the restaurant industry, right? The food and beverage industry. Hospitality, hey, you're here, come on in. Let's make sure you got your silver. I mean, we're gonna you know, give you some things so you can enjoy a meal. Now, a meal is a huge part of hospitality. Again, more on that next week. But we think of something like this. It seems professional, hospitality does. In fact, you can go to college at AU or Georgia Southern or Middle, Middle Georgia or UGA, you know, where, wherever you want to in the state, And you can major in hospitality. You can major in the hospitality industry. And it's probably something like this. Next picture. It's a professional person smiling at you, greeting you, welcoming you to your hotel or something like that. Or maybe this is what you think of when you think of hospitality. Maybe it's your grandma or your great grandma and she's got some cookies. Grandma made cookies. And so hospitality is more for grandma, right? But maybe you're sitting there going, man, I don't, I don't know if I'd describe myself as a particularly hospitable person. And it doesn't mean you're mean. It just means like you're maybe not gonna be doing a whole lot of that. And you're not the professionally dressed person at the desk and you're not in the hospitality industry. You don't do that for work. And so where do, where do I fit into that? We're gonna answer that. Before we do, I wanna invite you to the biblical view of hospitality and it's this, to welcomingly invite people into our homes and lives. Let's say that one more time. Biblical hospitality is to welcome people into our home and into our lives. So it's not just about the home. We're going to talk a lot about the home because I think it's somewhere we don't always think of to share the gospel, but it's also an open life. It's just a posture. And in fact, one of the New Testament words for hospitality is a word called philoxenia. Philoxenia. 
And it simply means this, to love the stranger. This comes out of the book of Hebrews, okay? We're spending a lot of time tonight in the Old Testament, but we're gonna cover a lot of New Testament next week and we'll talk about this word again. But philoxenia means love the stranger. If you're curious, if you wanna get nerdy for a second in the language, philo is a love word in the Bible. See, we have the word love, everybody say love. The Greek language has at least three words for love. We got agape love, that's like God's forever love, his unconditional grace-filled love. We have eros, that's a different kind of love for married people. And then there's another kind of love, philo, which is, means brotherly love. This is a family kind of love. This is a camaraderie, this is a fellowship kind of love. Xenia means, like think about the root word for like xenophobia, fear of foreigners and things like that. So, so what do you think xenia would mean? Stranger, yeah. So love the stranger, that's literally what the word means. So that's biblical hospitality. So that means that we're called to love people we don't even know. We don't even know who they are. We don't know what they like or dislike. We don't know if our personalities match. We don't know uh, anything sometimes. But, we're, but our starting place is love. Now, why would we do that? Because that's how God feels about you and me. Now, God knows everything. God knows everybody. He's omniscient. But we're to mirror him and reflect him. And so we must love people right where they're at the same way that God does. And so, last question I'm gonna ask you for a little bit. I'm gonna let you off the hook, ready? What do you think of when you think of God and how he is, his characteristics? What do you tend to think of? You can, you can shout some things out, what? Love, good. What, what else? Let's do two more. What? Father, okay. What else? Passion. Passion? Passion, is that what you said? Yeah, okay. Yeah, passionate, loving. He's a father. Good, affectionate, maybe compassionate, right? Uh, different, different words like that. Uh, maybe holy. But I bet a word, if, if you took a list, if you just made a list, I bet if hospitality made your list, hospitable might be way on down there. It's not the first word we think of when we think of God. God is hospitable. Now, how is that? Well, like all biblical virtues, they represent God's character. So we're gonna talk about the hospitable God tonight. Write that down in your notes, the hospitable God. And the first thing that a hospitable God does, our hospitable God, is he makes a what? A home. He makes a home. That's what he did. And he did this through creation, and through the garden, and then through heaven. Watch this. Genesis chapter one, verse 28. Go there with me real quick. Genesis chapter one, verse 28. And in 27, you know, let us make man in our image. So we're image bearers of God. But then in verse 28, God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. Rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and every creature that crawls on the earth. God also said, look, I've given you, and here's the key word I want you to lean into, underline every, every, right? <laughs> look, I've given you every seed-bearing plant on the surface of the entire earth, and every tree whose fruit contains seed. This will be food for you, for all the wildlife of the earth, for every bird of the sky, for every creature that crawls on the earth, everything that has breath, of life in it, I have given every green plant for food, and it was so. Why is the word every so important? Because when God created everything, he was intentional. 
he pointed this out to man and woman to, to show them, hey, I have, this is, this is like, this is like God opening his creation wide and saying, look at what I've given. Look, it's intentional. It's on purpose. It's mission driven. Did you hear the beginning? Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it. There's mission behind this hospitality. So our God is hospitable. He makes all this. He, he has readied this home for Adam and Eve. He's given them everything they need. He's given them a purpose and a plan. And it's just the beginning of it. And in the garden, you know, Adam and Eve sinned and that separated them from God relationally, right? Alienating themselves from intimacy with him by the consequence. Yet what did God do in his hospitable, compassionate heart? He seeks them out. He seeks them out. He meets them where they're at. That's a huge part of hospitality is where we, we love, because think about it, sin has separated, has made Adam and Eve like strangers to God. Even though they still know who he is, spiritually, relationally, they are far off from him. There is a great chasm now. And what does God do? Oh, well, there's a chasm. Dang it. I guess I'll just wait for them to get their junk together. No, God doesn't do that, does he? He seeks them out. Hey, where are you? Hey, I, I want you. Like, come here. Let's talk like a father to his children. And he seeks them out, and what does he do? He promises them. We sing about promises. He promised them the hope of a redeemer who would come and crush the enemy that lured them into sin in the first place. He said, hey, I'm gonna work this thing out. Trust me, trust, trust my plan. And then way later in the Bible, if you go all the way to the end, Revelation 21, verses one through four. Let's read this together. Then I saw a new heaven and a, a new earth. So the first heaven, the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. I also saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God prepared like a bride adorned for her husband. So we have covenant here, hold on to that. Then I heard a loud voice from the throne. Look, God's dwelling with humanity and he will live with them. What did I say a minute ago about hospitality? It's an open home and an open life. God's intent was to dwell with man and he wants us to dwell in right relationship, not only with him, but with others. And we're inviting people in like crazy. Hey, there's room in my life. Yes, there's a limit. Yes, there's boundaries and all of that. We, we understand that, but it's an open posture. I got this uh, sign hanging in my wall. I was supposed to get it. I left it in my car because I'm a goober, but it's in there and it would be up here. But what it says is basically this, if you run out of room, you do not build a higher fence, you get a longer table. And we put that in our house, not just because we like cute things from Hobby Lobby, that's not it. It's because we believe that. We believe the answer to reaching more people for Jesus is gathering around your table. And we're gonna talk, again, practical steps starting next week about how to do this. We're gonna talk about the challenges because I know all the excuses that are here. We're, we're, we're gonna shine the light on all those excuses of why we can't do it and this and that. And hopefully we'll just all, uh, you know, just expose those excuses and just decide, hey, we're gonna, we're gonna still do something about the lostness in our community, even though there's a thousand reasons why it's hard and a thousand reasons why, uh, it, you know, it's impractical and it's, it's costly and all these different things. Because with man, sure, yeah, it's impossible. But with God, 
anything is possible. And so what do we have? We have the garden to heaven. What has God done? The Bible begins with God making a home for humanity to dwell with him in a garden. And the Bible ends with God making a home for believers to dwell with him in a city. Did you catch that? From bookend to bookend, God has made a home. And so your home is just as intentional. In fact, God has placed you exactly where he wants you. And so we're gonna cover that in the fact that our hospitable God, he not only makes a home, but he makes a way. Write that down tonight. The hospitable God, he makes a way. He's a way maker. Man, we've worn that song out, but it's true, right? He makes a way. He calls us to join him in this way making. And he does so not only in his grace and mercy with Adam and Eve and this covenant that he promises them and then he worked through this guy named Noah and there's a big, great story with that, but we're gonna really focus on Abraham. In Genesis chapter 12, if you wanna um, click your way over there on your phone or, or flip the pages over to Genesis 12, we're just gonna read the first few verses of Genesis 12 together. And this is where God calls a guy at this time, his name was Abram, wasn't changed to Abraham yet. But listen to what he says to Abram. The Lord said to Abram, go from your land. God is always calling us to go, to go to different places. And it's amazing that Abraham had this kind of obedience to just go. Go from your land, your relatives, your father's house, AKA your comfort zone. Christians in the room, it's time to break up with the comfort zone. That relationship needs to be broken off. We all have a comfort zone, just a natural comfort zone. That's part of being human. But Jesus is all about getting us outside of our comfort zone. And I was reminded again this week, just in my quiet time, it's just one of the things that God taught me. I, it, it stood out and it's coming to my mind this moment. Like, Brandon, you're never gonna grow to the next level unless you get outside of your comfort zone. And I've heard that a million times. I've taught on it a million times. But I'm still convicted because I still get selfish in these moments. I just go, but God, I really like this. I really, I, you know, I'm kind of I'm cool with how things are. And he tells us to buckle up. Why? Because he's gonna show us something. Listen to what he said to Abram. This land that I will show you, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great so that you will be a what? And there you have the mission of God. We were intended to be a blessing, to show up to work and be a blessing. Even if work's not very fun, we're a blessing. We show up to Waffle House and we're a blessing. We go to Walmart and we're a blessing. We're on the road and somebody cut us off in traffic. We're a blessing. God bless you, sir. Have a great day. That's not always what I do in that moment either. But wherever we are, on vacation, we don't take a vacation from the mission, right? Or, or do we? I don't know. You guys, some of you seem unsure. Um, we, no, we're a blessing. And then God says this, catch this in verse three. I will bless those who bless you. I'll curse anyone who treats you with contempt. God's, God's not afraid to bow up at those who would threaten us, and, and especially those not, not of flesh and blood, but in the spiritual places. Our God's a fighting God, amen? We just sang some songs about it, right? We're pretty excited about that because we believe that in this place. God's fighting for you right now. He's fighting for your attention, your affection right now. And even as we're tempted to zone out, think about, you know, Super Bowl 50, whatever, or, you know, who's, who's doing this or that, or, or, or our, our agenda, or just the things that we're anxious and stressed about. God is fighting for you. He's a fighting God because he loves you, because he's a loving God. 
And so, all the peoples of the earth, latch onto this, all the peoples of the earth will be blessed because of you. What if that was really a mission statement for your life? I mean, just receive that. I know that we're an individualistic culture and that verses like this are corporate. This was about the people, the nation of Israel that God was gonna create, this promised people he was gonna bring about the Messiah through. Okay, we understand that biblical context, but just receive, because we, we do miss this sometimes. Receive this as an individual tonight because you're included. Like, yes, this is corporate. It's about more than just one person, but what is this corporate made up of? Individuals, okay? So let's not, so let's not over-apply it, ready? Receive this individually tonight. I will bless those who bless you. I'll curse anyone who treats you with contempt, and all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Yes, this was about Abram, but Romans chapter four says that we are children of this promise, that if we had the faith that Abraham had, then this covenant does apply to us. And so God told Abraham he was gonna form a special people from his descendants, a family, everybody say family, a family who would be God's and who would put him on display throughout the earth. This is our mission to put him on display. This is hospitality, to put him on display. So we invite people into our home and lives to put God on display, not to put ourselves on display, not to be like pressured because you think your table's gotta look like Southern home and living to invite anybody over for dinner. No, just, it just needs to be you. Your home doesn't have to be immaculate. It doesn't have to be huge. You can invite someone into your one bedroom apartment for dinner, you know? It doesn't have to be anything fancy, but it does need to be intentional. And so I know I'm giving us a lot of theory tonight. We're giving a lot of biblical rationale and I'm not giving a lot of practicality, but please come back next week because next week's message is gonna be leaning way more practical and this one is leaning way more theological. But listen to this, God's desire was for this family in Genesis 12, but also for our families to be hospitable to get this, every other nation, people of different cultures. And you know, it's really cool, like the people that I live next door to, like, like he's not the same culture as me. Our families look a lot different. We do things different. The woman that lives right next to us, she makes us lumpia all the time. She's not from here. She makes fantastic lumpia, okay? Dwayne makes fantastic lumpia too, but, 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 but Miss Esther makes some good lumpia. She stuffs it full of sausage, and I really enjoy that part. It's really good. She has an incredible culture. It's very different than ours. Our cross-street neighbors, different culture than us. And so God, God has challenged us over and over and over again, and I promise you, it is uncomfortable to do this. But how God has blessed us through this, I will just quickly testify, like it is, there has been zero regrets with that with inviting people into our home and lives. And so I wanna end in Romans five tonight. If you'll just make your way there, we're gonna kind of land the plane on that side of scripture. The ultimate act of hospitality, don't miss this, is that God sends Jesus through the lineage of Abraham. So Genesis 12 fleshed out into the future in steps Jesus to make a way, remember our hospital with God, he's a way maker, he makes a way, he makes a home, he makes a way, and he wanted to make a way once and for all for repentant men, women, and children to be reconnected to God, and that's why it's our mission statement. Why Why is our mission statement anchored to connect people to God? Because that's, it's hospitality, it's, it's, it's everything. 
It's what he's done. We want to be doing what he has done and what he wants us to do in the future. So you see, we didn't grab that out of thin air. This is cover to cover, Genesis to Revelation. Like, this is the plan. This is plan A. So let's read Romans 5, 6 through 11. It's one of my favorite passages in all the scriptures. It's just on the nose gospel. You guys ever heard of that before? It's just on the nose. It's just very, very, very forward. All right? This is an amazing truth. This is your first time reading this passage tonight. Uh, man, I'm, I'm excited that you get to encounter this passage. Because when I did, my world was rocked, and it's still rocked. For while we were still helpless, at the right time, Christ died for who? The ungodly. For rarely will someone die for a just person, though for a good person, perhaps someone might even dare to die. See, we would think that Christ would do this for someone who deserves it. And we've all been there before, right? We recognize our sinfulness and we go, how could I ever be forgiven? Like, I haven't done anything to, to pay back. Like, I'm not good. And by the way, if you've ever realized that you're not good and that God is good, that is the exact place to be, to come to him. That's, that's actually a requirement that we realize, wow, we're very different. I'm kind of a mess and he's perfect. But God proves his own love for us. How? While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So how much more then, since now we have been justified by his blood, will we be saved from him through wrath, or saved through him from wrath. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, catch this, how much more, having been reconciled, will we be saved by his life? And not only that, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received this reconciliation. So God did all of this. He made the home he makes a way through Christ so that we can live with him forever in harmony in his eternal home. This is why he did it. This is why he was obedient to the point of death, even death upon a cross. And listen, friends, before we can practice hospitality, we're, we're gonna get there with how to do that. We're gonna give you guys some practical tools, but before we can do any of that, we've gotta be a recipient of hospitality. We just finished a Church Hurt series here, right? And one of the big hallmark learning points for us, one of the core truths was we have to be for, we have to forgive the same way we've been forgiven. Like we can't effectively forgive someone unless we have first received that grace and mercy. It's the same thing with hospitality. We can't extend it the way that God intends until we first recognize we've been shown it. Let God welcome you home tonight. Some of you in the room, like God, God is inviting you home tonight. Like what is, what is home? Well, really in the most ultimate sense, he is home. It's his presence. It's a relationship with him. But listen to what Jesus says in John 10, 9. It's one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible. Ready? Jesus says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and he will come in and go out and find pasture. This is Jesus' invitation to you tonight. I'm not asking if you have a relationship with the church. I'm not asking if you've done some spiritual things or been on a mission trip or volunteered at the church. Man, all that's great. But what I'm asking is, do you have a, a real relationship with God? Do you know him intimately? Because that's a huge part of hospitality and the hospitality God has shown us. We receive his hospitality by knowing him intimately. 
So do you really know God? And just know this, you can, you can enter through the door of Jesus Christ tonight in two specific ways. Ready for it? It's, it's, it's very simple. We turn from our sin and we trust in Jesus Christ as our Lord and as our Savior who died for us on the cross to take our place, to die for our punishment and shame and guilt and trade it for joy and eternal life. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. First John says that he is life eternal. So receive his eternal life tonight. Receive the free gift of salvation. You do that through prayer. Just pray to him right now. In, in your own words, I don't, I'm not, I'm not gonna give you a script. I'm just gonna ask you, like if that's you tonight and you know that you need to give your life to Jesus, just call out upon his name. The Bible says everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Do it right now. He won't leave you hanging. He will meet you right where you're at and he will save you. Turn from your sin and trust in him. Maybe you've already done that. Maybe you made that decision, that wonderful decision a while ago or maybe just last week. And maybe your step tonight is to step into a paradigm shift of hospitality. Maybe it's time to rethink what you currently think you know about hospitality. It's time for me to do the same thing. I'm ready to learn with you. And that's all I ever do before I step up here and preach. I'm, I'm spending all week learning and I'm still learning. But here's what we can do together. We can challenge our comfort zone. We can pray tonight and, and invite God to mess us up in a good way over the next few weeks and say, God, I want, I want you to come. I mean, like, this is a dangerous prayer, so you definitely don't have to pray it tonight. Okay, I'm just giving you a warning. But here's a dangerous prayer to, to, to pray. God, I want you to call me over this series to do something really hard, to do something really challenging that I may not like at first, but is right and is true and is my best next step in my relationship with you. It's a dangerous prayer. Pray it at your own risk. But I promise that he's with you. It's the Great Commission. Go and make disciples, baptize people. Got that coming up next week. Teach him all the things that I've taught you. And remember, while you're on this mission, while you're inviting people into your home and your heart and your life, remember that I'm with you always. Jesus is with you as you step out onto this mission. So let's get ready for it together. It's gonna to be an incredible few weeks. It's gonna be an incredible march to Easter. I can't wait to see what God does next. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for everyone here. Thank you for the gospel. Lord Jesus, for while we were still sinners, while we were still messed up, you died for the ungodly. Thank you that you accomplished what we could not. We know that that is a huge part of the mission, Lord. Every step, you accomplish what we cannot. And that's our prayers of church tonight. Lord, save someone that knows they need to be in a right relationship with you. God, I pray that you would lead them to turn and trust tonight. But Lord, I also pray that you would fire us up. Lord, fill our hearts with this amazing power that you promised through your Holy Spirit, Lord. You told us it would be available to us. You promised that not only would the Spirit come, but that we would be your witnesses. And God, we wanna do that. We wanna be witnesses through our actions and through our words. So Lord, I pray for courage tonight. Pray for courage for the timid, encouragement for the brokenhearted, healing for those who are sick, for those who are battling serious challenges right now. 
We lift up all these things to you, acknowledging continually our need for you, and Lord, just confessing to you our desperation for you. So Lord, help us sing to you tonight as we respond with passion, with love, and with gratitude in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. If you want to hear more, be sure to click the subscribe button for more upcoming episodes from Anchor Church. Or visit us at www.anchorchurchcsra.com.